Holy friends in Christ Jesus, this is Pastor Sam, and I'm so gracious you decided to click on this episode. This is our weekly discussion that I have with two other pastor friends, but today we have a special guest. His name is Andrew Lowen of Lowen High Games, and he's going to tell us about his project he's been working on for many years that is called Deliverance. This is a conversation about angels, demons, the spiritual realm, and evangelism. We hope that you enjoy this, that it is fruitful and prosperous for you, and that you continue to be safe in the holiday season. Blessings abundant. Please enjoy. Grace and peace be to... Wait, that's Pastor Ben's line. But hello, my holy friends. Um, my name is Pastor Sam, and I am overjoyed to be together for this very Grace special edition. Oh, I'm Pastor talking to myself. Oh, 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 hello, oh. My holy there we go. <laughs> Things will happen. There we go. Things will happen. So... Hello again, my holy friends, Pastor Sam here, and it is such a joy for this holy week. This is not the third Sunday of Advent. It's actually Angel Week, because we have a very special guest. As y'all know, I am joined with two of my lovely friends. Pastor Ben, say hello. Hello. Pastor Sarah, say hello. Hi. I said hello, not hi. Oh, hello. And then okay. we're joined with an extremely <laughs> special guest, Andrew Lowen of Lowen High Games, and a disciple in Christ Jesus. How are yes. you, my friend? Hi, everybody. I'm great. Feeling like a million dollars. That's cold, good, though. <laughs> I live in Southern California. Anything below like 65, I, I, I'm I cold mm. and angry. Might as well be, you know, zero. Mm. So, so yeah. I think Ben takes a cake for a weather chill today. So I think we're, we're at a nice balmy 45 today. Yeah. Enough to keep the stove running, but... Yeah, everything's freezing now in upstate New York, which is good. So it's that, it's mm. that fun time of year. It's frozen. Uh, so we had our great blizzard of 2020 yesterday. It was uh, about seven snowflakes, I think, on my car. Wow. <laughs> but, but anyways, so friends, um, we're not here to talk about the weather. In fact, we're here to talk about much more important things. We're here to talk about Christ Jesus. We're here to talk about the spirit and also more of the spiritual realm today. So we're going to have this kind of blocked into three sections is how it's planned in my brain. We're going to be talking about spirituality in the Bible as early Christians understood it, spirituality as most modern Christians would understand it through um, the Enlightenment movement of the 18th century, specifically with John Wesley, our founder of Methodism. And then we're going to talk about evangelism, specifically through this awesome game that Andrew's working on called Deliverance. And we'll talk more about that towards the tail end of our discussion. But it's super great if you haven't played it. He's starting to disperse his play testers out just like little disciples to go forth and spread the good news. I've had the joy of playing it twice. I don't understand it, but I've loved every minute of it. <laughs> so um, I probably should have been smart and brought up the texts of the week that we're missing. I will actually go ahead and do that right now. If I can type. So as y'all know, this is a four or three year cycle that we typically are a part of, but we are not doing it this week. So please come to church. So that way you can hear what we have to say. Um, today or this week's scripture will be Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4 and 8 through 11, Psalm 126, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 16 to 24, and the Gospel of John chapter 1 verses 6 to 8 and 19 to 28. So, my holy friends, am I missing anything this morning? I think you're good. Amen. Yeah. So, my brother, would you uh, open us up in a word of prayer? Yeah, let's uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, gracious and holy one, God, we thank you for this opportunity to continue to talk about you, how you have blessed creation, how you continue to move and speak 
to us. I got to just ask that you bless our conversation today as we talk about something that is different, but it is good. We acknowledge the presence of your creation, the work of your holy angels. So we ask, O oh God, that you open up our hearts, our ears, and our minds to receive you today. Bless us, O oh God. And it is your most holy and wonderful name, Lord Jesus, we do pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 So as y'all will see, I am the least organized out of all of us here today. So I'm going to begin just kind of how my brain works is I need to talk about why we're talking about this and to talk about spirituality, specifically with angels and demons. I've got to start with where we are today for the fact that for many modern Christians, uh, for some reason, talking about angels and stuff is very uncomfortable for a lot of Christians. They are worried about it and they don't really want to talk about it because they don't think it's, I guess to be blunt, a lot of people don't think it's important. But in the grand scale, it's extremely important. And as Christians, we are called in following the words of Christ to not begin to separate ourselves from the whole truth. We can't just cherry pick what we want to believe and what we don't want to believe. Because so, you'll notice when it's Christmas time, people are happy to talk about Gabriel, who comes and talks to Mary, right? Like that That's the only angel that's acceptable, just Gabriel. But as you know, mm -hmm. there are angels all throughout the story. One of my favorite, uh, I guess not an angel, but more of a spiritual being, comes to us from the book of Daniel, where we get the phrase of looking at the writings on the wall, that during this wonderful banquet that a king is having, this ghostly hand appears out of nowhere and begins writing on the wall, speaking of the demise of the king. So there's lots of angels... It is. I like spooky ghost hands. That is pretty epic. <laughs> right? It is super epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, there. I mean, there's plenty of examples of angels and spiritual beings, specifically in Daniel, but all throughout our gospel. We see them in prophecy, but we also see them as messengers of God, as we can see all the way in the beginning with Genesis, when they are there in the part of creation. We can see them as messengers. Um, another good one from Genesis to me is with um, with Hagar and Ishmael when they are going to die in the desert, but an angel appears and shows mercy and gives them water. I know that's a good story that Ben enjoys as well. Yes. Um, and then, of course, in the New Testament, angels are apparent there, as we've said, with Gabriel, specifically talking with Mary, the conversations with Joseph. Um, another great story, I guess my favorite angel story in the New Testament is when Peter is in jail and an angel strikes him on the side to wake him up to get him out of jail. So I imagine just Peter sleeping and an angel kicks him. He's like, get up, it's time to go. And <laughs> they go forth and break, you know, the doors open and everything's hunky-dory. So I think that's most Christians' acceptance of the spiritual beings. It's simply a, okay, well, they don't know what they're talking about, right? Because we live in the 21st century and we live in a world full of science and statistics. And if I can't see it or feel it, it doesn't exist. But friends, we all know that's not the case as disciples. If we are true believers of the way, the truth, and the life, faith is something that we can't simply explain away with science and we see christians do this all the time um i'm great at examples if you haven't noticed but one example that's always stuck out to me is i listened to a sermon once about jesus walking on the water and i heard this guy go like on this 10 minute 
explanation on how it could physically happen, right? He's like, oh, well, given the weather at the time, there would have been a very thin ice sheet that Jesus could have walked upon, giving the illusion with the fog that he was walking on water. Guys, our God is incredible. He is beyond understanding and beyond any logic that we have created because he is the creator of all logic. We don't have to explain away things in our stories and in our faith. It is our God, and as a powerful engine of who pushes us and drives us, we don't need to be afraid of it. So what I'd ask on this day is, um, as we start this discussion, to keep an open mind. I'm sure that some of y'all have already turned off the video when we start talking about angels and demons <laughs> and pain and all that. But you know what? It's, it's an important topic, and it's one that I think makes us stronger Christians overall to try to understand something we're not familiar with. Because let's be frank. None of us were familiar with the gospel when we first received it. Being a Christian is absolutely crazy when you look at it from today's standards. I mean, that was the sermon on Sunday for me with Mark talking about John the Baptist. We shouldn't be relevant or, you know, lifting up John the Baptist. He was a crazy dude running out of the woods telling us to <laughs> repent. If I did that a Sunday, nobody would listen to me. They'd probably call the sheriff. But <laughs> so, friends, that's kind of my starting point about this. And... I'd also like to bring out that the to kind of shoehorn Ben in a few minutes once we start talking is uh, this belief of wanting to explain things away through science is a very new phenomenon for Christianity. For the 2,000 odd years, longer if you include the Old Testament sections, of you know God being with us, we've only began thinking about it critically. And I, I use that term as in looking at literary evidence and contextual ideas for roughly about 300 years. So we've been good for a little over 1,700 of those years. And it's only recently we've begun to look with a deeper magnifying glass, trying to find reason because we believe that we need to see something tangible. So, and this is of course not to say that people, you know, in the 1600s were stupid because they didn't want to look at it in this light. It's simply a intellectual movement that happened throughout Europe that theologians got a hold of and said, well, if it works for everything else, it has to work for religion. But the downside about it is that we don't live in a world that is simply all science or all faith. There's this wonderful blend that we can have as disciples. So you don't have to explain everything away, but we need to also be perceptive of God's workings through us. And sometimes that's really scary things that we don't understand. But we're not called to understand them in a way. We're called to trust in God and trust in his ways rather than our own ways. So what have y'all got for that? Made me think of something right. I, I personally, I, I, I love science. I'm a huge, I, I've calculated the age of the universe. Um, I have taken a whole lot of, uh, of science courses in college. I've mm. done a lot of things, you know, just because I'm a hobbyist. Right. And I've always looked at science as something that is the discovery of things, the mm. discovery of what is true. And it's okay that science is wrong. You know, when science is wrong, it just fixes itself and says, oh, it wasn't this way, it was that way. Hmm. You know, we, we don't even actually um, have a law of gravity. We have a theory of gravity. Hmm. And the uh, a theory only becomes law when it's been, basically it's been that way for at least a hundred years. Um, and what I find fascinating about the scientific method is that when we find some area that gravity ceases to work or when it ceases to work exactly like we had um, expected it to, we amend the equation mm. and, and it's, oh, it's fine. 
it's just the discovery of things. It's not the explanation of things. It's not absolute truth. It's just simply, you know, a blind man touching an elephant, um, touching the trunk saying, this is like a snake. And then another blind man touching the leg saying, this is like a tree. Mm. And they're both right, but they're looking and have different perspectives, right? And so I look at science as the discovery of things. And um, for me, actually, all science has ever done is prove what we've already known to be true. Mm. And that's what I love about science is that, you know, Bible says that God hung the earth on nothing. It just so happened that when we could figure out that, oh, shoot, the earth is literally hung on nothing, suspended in the middle of nowhere, circling this giant ball of, of fire that is then circling a giant ball of black hole that is floating in nothing, mm. like that is so large that we yeah, like, haven't even you know, been able to uh, see the end, right? Um, it's exactly what the Bible said was true. You know, it reminds me of um, a famous physicist, a quantum, quant the father of quantum physics, um, I believe, uh, I can't remember the fellow's name right now, said the first drink of quantum physics will make you an atheist, mm. but God is waiting for you at the bottom of the glass. Mm. So mm -hmm. why all of the great thinkers of the 1600s, 1700s, you know, Galileo, Isaac Newton, um, all Christians. I'll have to say about that. Amen. So um, since you decided to jump in real quick with my favorite angel story, what's your favorite angel story? Oh, I love um, Jude 9. Jude verse 9. Mm. It's, um, so this is uh, Michael the Archangel. He's, he's uh, named in Jude verse 9. And I love the context of the book of Jude. I would say Jude is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, Jude and Isaiah probably. But um, I can read it for you. Um, I read out of the New King James because it's yeah, that, that beautiful blend between um, symphony and what I understand as an American. Um, it says, <laughs> yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Hmm. And um, I, I find it so interesting because the context of Jude is that uh, Jude is writing to the Jews about some things that they already understand. It's like, hey, remember Sodom and Gomorrah and how bad that was? Remember the angels that sinned and how bad that was? Remember, you know, uh, you know, it just comes up with these examples that everyone understands and everyone has context for so that the rest of his points make sense. And then he throws this in, which I find is really weird because I have no context of what it, like nowhere else in the Bible does it talk about how Michael and Satan fought over Moses's body. Mm -hmm. And the Jews at that time must have clearly understood what he was talking about. Like there has to be something that they knew at that time that we didn't. And I, I find that extremely fascinating. So um, makes me wonder how did they dispute? You know, did they use words? Did they fight? Did they use swords? Did they, you know, obviously Michael won, I think, right? I would um, certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they I tweeted mean, at each other. Maybe they, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cancel culture at each other, you know? Yeah. The, the, the divine tweet book. Yeah. So it's, it's just very curious. It raises a lot of really fun questions that you can go discover. But um, I would say that is a good foundation for having a fun old time with angels and demons amen and i think that's a um that's a nice idea to piggyback on as well as you said it's a nice starting point but sometimes i think people get sketched out because it's definitely a rabbit hole you can get lost in 
and you can start making your own i hate to say it this way but your own theology going too too deep into your what you would call your own understanding mm-hmm. as opposed to the understanding of god it's a uh, i uh, a example i've used a lot is um you know the fun discussion of how many angels can fit on the pin of a needle well they were the story goes as they were arguing that while constantinople was being sieged so it's this idea that we get so focused and indwelled on something that we forget the true mission of what we're called to do so yeah. i don't want to say that because I think talking about spirituality and angels and demons and you know, the, the realm beyond our visual eyes is super duper important, but it's also important to remain grounded in our word. And I think you've said it so perfectly that if you can't pull it from scripture directly and start from there and remember, you know, that Christ has told us to you know, remain grounded and count the costs before <laughs> jumping down a rabbit hole, as I love to, like, I used to talk about the Nephilim all the time. Like yeah. that was like my, my friend group's go-to discussion all the time. We almost got kicked out of church for that. <laughs> That's all we did. <laughs> we had like eight weeks of a Bible study. It was like Nephilim this, Nephilim that. And you're like, Sam, just stop. That's funny. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, that's a fun rabbit hole. That's a really fun discussion. Um, I think like you're saying that um, we need to understand why we're talking about these things and why these things matter. Mm. Um the Bible says that the foundation is Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Paul will write in one of his letters. So we have that foundation, and then we move on from that foundation into perfection, or, you know, depending on how the translation renders it. It says that Christ is like spiritual milk. Mm-hmm. And when you understand that you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, you know, then let's build on that. Like, what did Jesus mean when he said this? What did he mean when he said that? What does it mean when Paul says this, when Paul says that? Like when we have that, sure, the fundamentals that we can always go back to and remind ourselves, um, you know, you have to have, even in science, you have to have rules, generally accepted things like numbers, for example, mathematics, have to be absolutely true. Mm. One, two, three, four, all of those things are absolute. Two never equals five in any situation, no matter what, because in that case, it would render an absolute truth that we build everything else upon uh, useless, which means the whole house of cards falls. Mm. So, which is why, you know, of course, um, atheists love to attack Jesus Christ and the resurrection because that is the foundation of everything. If we, if we, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we are men of uh, above all most pitied, right? Mm. And so the foundation is Christ and we build on that. I think that it's important to understand what's written in the Bible is going to exist for all eternity. That line in Jude nine, where Michael disputed with the devil, we're not going to ever forget it. It's written in God's word that he said will never pass away. So it's worthwhile to understand why, why is it there? You know, the context and why did, why did he, why did God in his infinite wisdom decide that we should have that in our Bible today? You know, hmm. um, I guess you could apply that logic to a good many other things. <laughs> It's well said. So about y'all too. Go ahead, Sarah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of times in our, our world and, and even in the church, I know a lot of young people who have had that conversation with of, uh, you know, faith or science, that it's not something that you can hold together. Um, but I think that it is. And so I really appreciate what you both are saying about, you know, how we can 
both have faith and still be people who believe that science is real and um, try to understand the world around us better and see that as, as a worthwhile um, endeavor. Um, that it's not, you know, I think the, the work that scientists do has made our world better. It's made life easier for us. Um, you know, obviously it's brought its own challenges and, and difficulties, but, um, you know, I feel that God's blessed us with intelligence to be able to learn these things and to mm. improve the world uh, through the understanding that God's gifted us with. Um, and so, yeah, and that includes continuing to learn about the spiritual aspects of our world, which mm. usually we neglect that part or either, yep. either we fall into the camp where that's all we talk about or we're in the camp where we don't talk about it at all. Yeah. Um, so. We like to nice stop at that nice fruits bit, the fruits of the yeah. spirit. We like to get yeah. our little fruit snack and be done. <laughs> yeah. So, Sarah, what's your favorite angel story? You know, I don't know that I have a, a favorite one. I think my favorite, I get, I get there's a couple. So, like with Daniel and um, Isaiah, mm -hmm. and I think it's in Ezekiel too. Just whenever uh, angels appear and talk to the prophets, uh, you can tell the prophets are just scared out of their minds. And, you know, the description that we get of these angels is not like little fat baby ah. cherubims. <laughs> right. It's like, what the heck is this? First um, line, be not afraid, you know, in heaven afraid. when they're training them to come to earth. It's like, all right, first thing you got to do when you talk to a person, in angel training, yeah. be not afraid. Yeah. Just, right. yeah, just say that. It ever works though. Just, ah. Now that you mentioned that, that's entirely... I, you're right. Isaiah is one of my favorite sections as well. When he has the coals pressed upon his lips, and it's that depiction of the throne room of God, right, where you have these massive, incredible beasts just floating around, shouting so hard that the foundations or the pillars are literally shaking as they shout, "Holy, holy, holy!" Mm -hmm. And I think that might be what scares a lot of people because you know the boldness that the Holy Spirit gives us almost sometimes feels like just a drop in the bucket compared to the almighty power of God, instead of realizing that we truly are conduits of that living God. So part of that could also be the way of making it so we don't have to go forth and do what God's called us to do. Because I know God has given us all very special gifts and given us special missions upon our hearts. And granted, I'm a believer that thinks that those change over time. I don't think that somebody who's meant to be, I don't know, even a minister, is meant to be a minister their entire lives. I believe we live in seasons, just as any other secret agents ever have. But I think that's a part of it, too, is that people are scared to live into this full promise. And again, I think it's based on our super scientific world that we've created, where if we can't fully see it and we can't see all the cards right in front of us, that we don't want to step forward into our faith. Now, Ben, I want to hear your favorite angel story, and I'll be disappointed if it's not the one I think it is. Well, I'm going to disappoint you because okay. one of my one of my favorite ones uh, is with a uh, with the prophet Elijah. Hmm. Um, Typical. I, I I love that one uh, where the where you know his home is being surrounded by enemies, mm. uh, and his servant is like, "We're doomed. It's game over, man. Like it's, it's right. <laughs> might as well just hang it up. You know, I don't know what about this God that you worship. Like, where is he?" And uh, and the joy of, of the prophet and his relationship with the Holy One uh, as he prays to God, God, just give him the eyes to see. Mm. Then all of a sudden, you know, he sees this host of angels like, oh, oh, I guess we're about to be okay then. And just uh, the, the presence uh, of angels in, in, in the midst of something 
wonderful and miraculous. Uh, and that's something that, you know, when we get to, uh, you know, Wesley's interpretation of, of, uh, of angels, uh, it's something that's really, really big. Uh, and so uh, when you see that, I, I just, I love that, uh, that scripture. It's really special. And, uh, and again, it's kind of that awe inspiring, like, oh my goodness, like, wow, this is, this is bonkers. Uh, especially when we get uh, some of the, uh, the images that scripture paints of how angels look. Mm. Uh, and so I could, I could just imagine looking out into the field and seeing how, uh, how angels, the, how they different, they look amongst uh, themselves and uh, how crazy That's... and scary that must've been for, mm. for that server. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah. I like to, uh, you know, I know we'll get to deliverance later, but um, I, I like to talk about deliverance as a theologically sound fantasy and one of the play and so basically everything has to be theologically sound or if it's not it's not that way hmm. on purpose right and so um or rather it is that way on purpose uh i guess that makes sense yeah. and the way angels look is most certainly not theologically sound in yeah. deliverance like not good looking people with wings is basically what they are uh, yeah the but that is not what the bible describes them or yeah. how the Bible describes them <laughs> are you telling me that the history channel special the bible lied to me <laughs> i mean you know watching the history channel is probably your main problem this is like 15 years ago it was fine back then okay yeah i guess i guess aliens. Right. Yeah, ancient aliens ancient aliens but yeah, yeah. where's the, the meme <laughs> aliens. Uh, and you know i think that's a part of it too um as we're sitting here laughing with one another um, i thought you were going to say balam in numbers 22 I mean, yeah, when, when, you know, when a donkey's like, ah, <laughs> you know, uh, most experiences, as we were talking about, you know, any angelic experience, there's usually someone freaking out. Uh, and it's great when it's a donkey, like, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know if you see this angel and Balaam's like, uh, what are you talking about? And then he sees this giant angel on the way like, okay, I totally get, I'm sorry, donkey for smacking you. <laughs> it's a, it, it's a really amazing story and really fun. Because how that changes his life, right? Uh, how the ex and again, uh, a constant theme that that Wesley talks about, but more importantly, is just scripturally true. Is when the angels appear, when we see angels appear, mm. something miraculous happens, right? It, it is it is a life altering experience, uh, and that's that it was for for Balaam, who was not considered a friend. Of Israel at the time, uh, and then all of a sudden, like I, I'm, I'm sorry, you win, <laughs> you win. I'm on your team now. Congratulations, <laughs> uh, which is which is fun. Amen. And as we've said, um, spirituality and angels and demons were very core for a lot of people for many centuries, and are still held very high up in certain denominations. So. Um, that started to shift towards the um, 1400s with the Protestant Reformation, or 1500, 14, 1452, right? Yeah, so the 1500s. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. 15th century. Yeah, there you go. The 15th century. With, a long uh, time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. I know, but I'm the history dork. I'm supposed to know these things off the top of my head. But anyways, so with Martin Luther and John Calvin and Jacob Arminius and all these cool dudes that were trying to explain theology in a new enlightened enlightened world um i like to bring that up a lot that we like to think of ourselves as better than the people even in first century judea were not <laughs> so anyways what? there was one person who was 
um, able to use this knowledge given to us from the Reformation. And his name is John Wesley. And I think one of our special friends here knows more about that. Yeah. Do you like my segues? Uh, They're great, right? Uh, it was perfect segue. Thank you. Hmm. I, uh, I really didn't know how much um, John Wesley spent writing about uh, just the realm of the spirit and, and angels and demons. And uh, so this was a really fun research project for, for me. Uh, if you're ever curious, uh, it's John Wesley's Essential Work, Volume 6, the entire volume. Uh, now, I will, be, I will confess, I didn't read the entire volume because I don't have that much time. Um, but uh, it was such a holy privilege. Uh, to be able to to research and uh, and read some of John Wesley's writings about angels uh, and and how he would name as evil angels. He didn't really use the word demon too much, uh, but how he identified this as evil angels. And the first thing that he he writes about, I think, and we've echoed this, is the vast importance, the necessity of Christ first. Uh, that the foundation is always Jesus. And what I love on his sermon uh, on angels, he writes. The vast importance of Jesus in the ministry of the Christ is far superior than anything that we'll know about uh, the realm of the spirit and the ministry of angels. But therefore, we will attempt to try to answer the question. And that's what I love is, <laughs> so, hey, Jesus is really important. This is, this is the first thing, but now I'm going to try to answer some questions uh, and go down uh, a really interesting road. Uh, and right after that, um, he cautions uh, against idolatry. Um, and we've kind of talked about this uh, in, in a brief uh, mention that sometimes when we focus on, on just angels, right? And uh, how, how Wesley coined the term is when we, when we affirm and attribute the works of God through just angels, um, that is idolatry uh, mm. in terms of, of, of how Wesley understood it. That, uh, he would he would understand angels as instruments of the divine. That is, that God is using angels and uh, their roles, their ministries, um, to do something. That is a reflection of what God is doing, uh, and it's really important for for Wesley. I mean, he really mentions this quite often uh, of that angels not as a supreme being to be worshipped, but as an instrument of the divine. Hmm. Uh, and then he goes on to explain, uh, as, as I had mentioned, that every single time an angel is experienced and named, uh, either by name like uh, like Gabriel or Michael uh, or some of the other ones uh, that, that we see that are a little, uh, little less wide known, uh, that something happens, right? Uh, and the biggest example that we can see uh, that is also super relevant to the season that we are in is with Joseph, right? Uh, that when Joseph uh, is is getting ready to call it quits on his on his wife, uh, who or his soon to be wife Mary, uh, who is just magically impregnated, right? Like I guess I guess I'm done, right? You know, and she might get stoned, and I'll walk away. Uh, he has an experience with an angel, who we attribute as as Gabriel say, hey. That's actually not what's happening, knucklehead, right? Uh, he, he, he invites him to experience the divine. And, and prior to that, Mary has uh, an even more powerful experience with, with Gabriel. As Gabriel comes and speaks this profound truth that changes Mary's life uh, and that would change the life 
of the whole world. Uh, so it is super important uh, to recognize that when angels show up in scripture, uh, it, it is this miraculous thing. We can kind of attribute, and in, in Wesley talks about it, very similar to the transfiguration. Mm. That when we see the transfiguration of Moses on Mount Sinai, right, when you're in the presence of the divine, something sometimes very physically can change you, right? Moses just got to see the backside of God going by real quick. And his face shone so bright that the people were like, hey, can you wear something? You are, I can't see, right? Uh, it's the same thing with, with Jesus, uh, you know, on the mountain that as he was transfigured. This is the, the presence of the holy. The divine is, is life changing. And, and this experience is really pro, prolific. Um, there's, there's something to be said uh, about that. Uh, and John Wesley also uh, affirms and really kind of denounces more on his conversation uh, about on evil angels um, to get rid of this notion that I think is really prevalent right now in modern terms of um, guardian angels, hmm. right? So he, he he really kind of denounces like, there's no little, you know, the imagery of the angel and demon kind of sitting on your shoulder, right? He's like, yeah, no, like, no. Uh, uh, the, the work and the ministry of angels is so much grander than that. Uh, that there isn't just some like little pocket angel hanging around you, uh, but rather uh, that the ministry of the angels is to affirm the work of those who believe in the Most High. Um, and that is uh, something that is really uh, important. He uses this language of how powerful angels are, that if they willed it and if God allowed it, uh, that they could take the cosmos off its axis is the verbiage that he uses, mm. which is really powerful to say hey if, if if god said hey just do do what you want do what you want to do uh that the angels are so strong and so powerful that everything can just flip on its axis uh which is a really neat understanding for for wesley uh and the importance and how powerful god's creation can be because uh, this is all about the creation reflecting back to the creator that's all you know uh wesley wesley does and uh the, the other two things I want to mention very briefly, because I could go on and on, is uh, I love the emphasis that Wesley used. And if you read this, he uses this phrase, it is not improbable. He uses that quite often in talking about angels. It is not improbable, which means maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is, he said that it is not improbable for an angel to do X or an angel to do Y. Um, that is that, again, he really is affirming that the ministry of, of angels um, is really all about reflecting back to God's glory. Mm. So as God works and God uses these instruments, and again, that's how, how Wesley and the early Methodist church really identify the role of angels as instruments to reflect the glory of God. Um, so it's not improbable that an angel can cure cancer. It is not improbable that an angel can lift a car. It is not improbable that an angel can speak and affirm truth. And, and that be the same, uh, on the same level. Uh, and then uh, the, the, last, uh, the last thing um, is that Wesley identifies that it is God's good pleasure to use the ministry of angels and men. That is, and men being capital M, not just males, but all people, 
that when God uses the instrument of angels, it can be as equal as when we are being ministered by other folks who are following God's will. Uh, and, and that is really interesting. And that got me down a really crazy rabbit hole that I, I couldn't come out of for a couple of days. Um, but the way that I likened it and, and what got me out of it was when God is inviting or using these instruments, how would it be received? For example, to again use Mary and Joseph in a very relevant season to us right now, would it be imp impactful for Mary and Joseph to hear the good news that, hey, this Christ child is born in you from Bob the shepherd, you know, who's just like, hey, by the way, don't worry about this there, Joe. Like, hey, that's, you know, that's God, you know, it's the Holy Spirit, it's Emmanuel coming. So like, you're okay, give him a pat on the back and then he leaves. Would that have been received? Or maybe it was a little bit better that Gabriel comes and says, hey, Mary, hey, Joe, something special is happening. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting, Wesley's in, uh, emphasis on, it is God's good pleasure to use both. Uh, that as God uses angels as instruments, that God can use us to do similar work. Uh, and, and that's really uh, profound. It kind of goes back to Wesley's emphasis on you know, social justice and moving into uh, that we have a role to play. Um, and that's, that's really important. The last thing, uh, uh, Sam, I thought you'd like this. Uh, in 787, the seventh ecumenical council uh, said that angels must be depicted as people, hmm. as, as, as mankind, because uh, that's easier for us to understand. <laughs> it's easier for us to fathom rather than, uh, as, as Brother Andrew was with you know, if we were to depict angels as how we see them in scripture, um, we probably wouldn't have angels on our Christmas trees, right? <laughs> we, uh, we, would, we wouldn't maybe play a, a, this wonderful board game, right? If we were a, a four-headed, you know, man, bull, you know, eagle with six wings and um, so eyeballs really, everywhere eyeballs yeah eyeballs everywhere i mean it's really awesome for for folks who like to dive deeper mm. but uh, as brother andrew was saying there's a specific reason why almost every single angelic encounter is be not afraid <laughs> right be not be a peace be with you uh because i don't know if about you guys maybe this is just me and maybe that's what i need to work on but if an angel showed up in front of me with just eyeballs everywhere uh I'd be afraid, uh, but that's just me. I'd be kind of scared. Well, hands down, <laughs> based on the, um, you know, first of all, that was incredible. Thank you for all your words and your efforts. And frankly, I have very little to add to that because you just said it so eloquently. Well, you were quoting John Wesley, who said it eloquently to begin with. I know, yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, asterisk, that, yeah. Just... <laughs> it's like uh, you miss 100% of the shots you never take, you know, Michael Scott. Yeah, Michael Scott. <laughs> so it's, uh, but I... I think that's another part about our lives is that, again, as humans, we have that idea of fear of the unknown. I mean, even mm -hmm. look at the patriarchs, Abraham, Moses, you know, all of them. They, I guess really not Noah, but I guess it wasn't really explored that much with that story. But we all have these, you know, like, God's like, go do this. And we're like, um, can I get this in order first before I go and do that? So it's this idea of seeing something so unnatural to us that would terrify us but when you're saying earlier about this excellent board game it's just like 
I would now I kind of want a character like that. Can we make a special angel edition where they're all yeah. biblically accurate? You bet. <laughs> yes. Just little, even if they're just little cardboard the adults cutouts. only expansion. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'd call it that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you got, Sarah? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a lot to add to, to what you're saying, Ben, but um, I think it is interesting what you uh, found about him not really mentioning demons, but talking about, uh, what did you say, evil angels? Evil angels, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, um, that, yeah, I'd like to maybe look into that more and it just makes me kind of curious. talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. If you it, wanted to. It, Fallen it, angels and demons are not the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. very curious. It, oh, it, go on, go on. No, it, it, it's it's very interesting. Uh, you know, phraseology matters, right? Um, and uh, how he would name uh, the, the fallen angels, right? Uh, and the and their role. What do they do hmm. uh, compared to you know, the role of, of angels? And uh, he was very similar to I think what, I think many modern Methodists uh, you know, really under kind of struggle with is this balance of kind of where's the 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 human accountability right uh did the devil make me do it Mm. or did i do it and and that was wesley's uh and and i think many of you know the reformers uh, you know kind of struggle is is as we wrestle with the realm of the spirit that this is real uh that the enemy is real uh because it's one thing and this this is really important uh and this is this is ben speaking that uh, you know, when we affirm, especially folks who are like, I love guardian angels, and this is so cute, and angels are, are great. If we affirm that is true, then there must be something that is opposing that. Mm. That, that. That is just, you know, we talk about science. That, well, that is just what we find to be true in, in, in nature, in, in science. There's usually something opposite opposing it. Uh, and as, as Brother Andrew, you can probably speak it to a lot better than I can. And, and Wesley was very, uh, again, kind of vague and very, because this wasn't super important uh, to, to the early Methodist movement. Um, but he, he emphasized more the, the importance of talking about evil angels rather than the lesser, uh, the lesser spirits of, of demons and, mm. uh, and devils is, is how he would use it. Uh, he does say, uh, he does, at the end of his sermon on evil angels, does reference, it says, uh, it's not just the enemy, it's not just Satan, but it is those who are underneath him as well. Mm. Right, absolutely. Um, in some places, the Bible will reference angels when it's actually referencing bad guys, like bad, like fallen angels. Mm. One of the most um, prolific mentions of angels are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as uh, in Revelation. These are uh, demons that are released, mm. that are that, and the reason that we know that they are demons, I'm. Sorry, they are fallen angels. Demons, the difference between demons and fallen angels, as far as I have been able to uh, discern, is that demons um, are without a body. Mm. So they do not have a body. Fallen angels do have a body. Um, demons look to possess things and whatnot. Um, you know, our name is Legion. That, that uh, situation with what is estimated to be a Roman legion inside that yeah literally you're you're entirely right brother that i for some reason i have not even talked about the gospels earlier about all of the casting out of demons we're not casting out fallen angels we're casting out you know those without you know i don't know i guess like leveling up is the best way to think about Mm -hmm. it they they didn't hit a very high level when they got cast out 
Yeah. That yeah. Is. So the, you know, the first thing those demons did was they ran into pigs. You know, mm -hmm. Why did they possess pigs? Um, I, I surmise that they would, that they wanted to be inside a body. Mm. Um, so it, you know, that's, uh, just, I guess there's, there's a lot of uh, very open to interpretation, but my, um, based on the totality of scripture, I believe that demons, they need, they want uh, to have a body. Um, the Bible says when a when a, a demon is cast out, it goes and walks in dry places and it can find no rest. And then what it says is that I will go back to my original home, which is inside of a person, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if that person doesn't have Christ, if you're not, if, if something's not already, if a spirit's not already filling you, like Holy Spirit uh, in, in our case, um, then that demon will find the location swept clean and put in order again mm -hmm. and bring seven more demons mm -hmm. worse than he is. And the end condition of that person will be worse than the original starting condition. Right. Um, we, we see demons possessed Mary Magdalene, uh, Jesus cast demons out of Mary Magdalene. I think it was five or seven or something like that. And then she became saved and then demons could no longer possess her. Um, if a person is not saved, a demon can absolutely enter into that person and possess them, I, I believe, um, which is pretty, t pretty scary, you know, and we're kind of getting into what I find is the more like the reason that I think if, if there was a reason that people didn't want to look into demons, it's because they feel like they might be um, inviting the um, opposition into their house to, you know, um, resist them, I guess, I, you know, it's, it is, it is kind of a scary thing, you know? Um, so the, I, I think the most important thing that we would have, again, goes back to the basics, always the foundation. Christ mm -hmm. has saved me. He is my foundation. I have Christ. I have the Holy spirit inside me. Nothing else can enter me. Why? Because Christ, um, uh, protects me. He's the one mm -hmm. that uh, fills me up. So there's no more hole for a demon to jump in and fill. Right. And um, that's really important is to, to know your power as a Christian. You are a son of the most high God. Like this is uh, the, the same God that rose himself from the dead um, mm. and cast out 2,300 demons from this man or pair of men, depending on what you're, what you're looking at. They, um, that's the same God that told you that you'll do even greater things. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, I think that it's important that we recognize that, um, as Christians, we can also cast demons out of people. We can also cast demons away from us. And um, sometimes I think we live in great oppression because we don't. Um, you know, it's something that I think is a uh, little bit of a taboo subject. Mm. And it's that way. I, I, because I've studied demonology and angelology for a very long time now, I see angelic and demonic influence in a lot of things, but in particular demonic influence. Mm. One, um, who was, I can't remember who said this, I'm sure you guys will, but you know, Satan's greatest trick that he played on the human race was convincing the world he doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. The, I, you know, I'm sure it was a movie or something, maybe it was Spider-Man or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Spy <laughs> but, Kids probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Spy Kids too, with The Rock. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, the idea is that, wh why is that taboo to say? You know, why did Jesus so many times cast out demons from people? And, you know, we, I, I think there's maybe a few movies about it 
where I, where I saw, you know, the exorcist or whatever, you know, you, you'll hear about like the legend of a time, a time a person cast a demon out, you know? Um, and then in general, people think that that's crazy, but Jesus himself did it many times and his disciples did it many times. And I wonder if people think that demons just no longer possess people. Mm. You know, it's, it, I mean, if it's clearly recorded that they did, and if you believe what the Bible says is true, and you have to believe that demons have that ability to possess people and to certainly also oppress people, as we've seen with Paul and the thorn in the flesh. You know, the um, other, other times God himself will say, which one of you, talking about a demon, will go harass um, Saul? You know, and and or you know, and then there's another case where which one of you will go be a lying mouth in the spirit of these prophets, and that you know, uh, this this uh, you know, angel says, "I'll be the guy that lies off," you know, that lies my tail off. It's like that's a fallen angel. That's a that's a you know. So um, so anyway, I think that it's really important that we recognize our power as Christians, and that we see with spiritual eyes. Um, every major political narrative nowadays is quite, um, you know, it's, it, of course it's, uh, um, abortion and, um, the, the, uh, American election and, uh, you know, you name it, whatever it is, you think, you think that Satan is above that. You think that he doesn't care about those things. You think that, you know, he, hasn't walked into the Oval Office and looked at what the president's writing and talking about. You think that, you know, no matter which president it is, um, all of those things, I mean, he's, Satan wa is walking somewhere. Like he's a physical dude that is in one place at one time. Maybe he's sitting next to you, Ben. I wouldn't know. And that would be... <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me, be not afraid, quick. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I mean, if Christians think that he hasn't walked down the aisle of your church and sat next to you for a service, I think you're crazy because the Bible says he walks to and fro throughout the earth, looked as, as and elsewhere as, as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, right? And um, the best place to wreck the church is from inside the church, I think. So, um, well, you, there, there's a couple of things I want to piggyback, if I, if I may. Uh, yeah. It is. It's, it's so good. And uh, I definitely opened up the rabbit hole. So thank you for indulging me uh, in coming sure. with the rabbit hole. Uh, with, and we, again, want to honor, honor your time too. So, but uh, tinfoil hat. Uh, Where's my tinfoil hat? I know, right? <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the, uh, and if I'm just going to be, uh, confess this, I think one of the, the struggles uh, with mainline tradition denominations uh, in which, you know, Sarah, uh, Sam, and I are, are, are from in the, in the Methodist denomination um, is there's this weird balance of uh, intellectualism and reason, and then how do we wrestle with with spirituality? Mm. Right? And we talked about you know earlier this this weird either we're all in on one side or we're all in on the other side, and how that's wrong. Uh, and and Wesley uh, you know affirmed that that said hey we should be intellectual Christians, right? We, we, sh we shouldn't resist uh, the temptation to just kind of put our head in the sand, right? And say, well, I heard this once and that's, I'm comfortable here and therefore I'm good. Uh, but to, uh, and one of the things, and, and Andrew, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but Andrew and I have had some really wonderful conversations when we've play tested uh, deliverance in, uh, in the game. And um, one of the things I deeply, deeply respect about uh, Andrew and, and, and folks uh, like him is, um, 
you do your homework, mm. right? There, there's this, this, uh, it's, it's not just, I feel this, right? Um, or it's not that I read this one time in scripture right. and therefore it's always influenced, but there's outside research. There's um, spending time in discernment with the Lord, right? It's, mm -hmm. uh, I just felt this one time and therefore it's yeah. always this truth. Um, and, you know, I, I can be wrong. I could be influenced. I could be moved and breathed and, uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to shape me. That's what's mm. important. Uh, uh, and and as you as you as you said, brother Andrew, right, um, and as as Wesley talks about, um, angels and, and and evil angels are not omnipresent, right? Uh, they're they're moving. There there's there's something that is happening. And uh, as as Wesley, uh, you know, from the greatest. Uh, see now I gotta now I gotta quote, I gotta go. <laughs> gotta pull it out. I was, I was yeah. re I was refreshing this, uh, refreshing my memory before this, but. Let's see how quick I can I can pull this up real quick. If you need a minute, I can give you one. No, I got it right here. Look, because okay. I'm a good, I'm a good boy. Uh, good it noodle. is, uh, it is. How soon would they? There it is. How soon would they, being evil angels, involve all in one common ruin, or at least destroy man from the face of the earth? They are in this for the their evil work. They are never faint or weary. Indeed, it, it seems no spirits are incapable of weariness, but those that inhabit flesh and blood, meaning just us. We are the ones who, who get tired. It is their great joy, therefore, to separate us from the fullness of the love of God, the confidence that he brings, and from the love of neighbor, that is, the blessed heirs of the creator. Hmm. Uh, like you're, you're right. This this rolled. Uh, if if we are so naive to think that once we affirm, hey, uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, like therefore I'm good. Like uh, I'm good. There's no evil that works against me. Um, I think that is uh, many of the flaw of American Christendom right now. Um, and this is why. And let's see. Oh man, I'm not, protect me. You're gonna bring I, it on yourself. Here comes the spice. Know, <laughs> All you have to do is say the next sentence and then you're done uh, for but, you know but but Wes, wesley really believed and really was against this notion of this once saved always saved uh, mm. that uh you know he affirmed that we can fall so in love with the work of the evil one right that we just fall away uh not that that god says i'm done with you you're unworthy that's not true uh we're, we're worthy and called by the love of god but wesley said hey just because you say this one time doesn't mean that the evil one can't work in you and, and can't pull you away. Uh, and that's something that is really uncomfortable, right? Uh, that we, uh, yeah. So let's see, yeah. there's the, there's another rabbit hole. Boom, go. Yeah, right. yeah, the oh. once saved, always saved thing. I, I do believe yeah. that, uh, I, I guess you could say, I do believe in once saved, always saved. I believe that... Uh, if you are uh, truly saved, then you're always truly saved. You can't, mm. it's, it's the whole, the whole idea, I guess, is, is that you can't, you know, like my, my child, my, my two-year-old can't really feed herself. You know, if I give her food and, and she eats it, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, that free gift that she didn't earn and, and all. So there's nothing that she could have done to reach into the top shelf and, and pick that food out. It's, probably an oversimplification, but I believe that, uh, that, um, you know, the Bible, I actually read the other day how, um, acceptance of Christ is not a work. 
Um, mm. It actually says that somewhere uh, that I was, I can't remember where I read that, but um, I thought, you know, that they uh, always argue about that. Like, well, is that a work? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I tend to believe uh, very strongly that if you are saved, that you are, that you are, you can't unsave. Um, it's like if you, you know, it's like in a video game, if you save, then it's, you can always return to your safe spot. But um, I think that where most of the time people really, I, and this is just my, you know, observation is that most of the time that people argue about once saved, always saved, they think if a person says a prayer and then later, you know, just falls away and, and you know, rampantly runs in the direction of sin and loves it all the way until the day of their death i would argue that that person was never saved to begin with mm, right um, right and that's know, the and en- that's the endless argument that we can go right. we could go around forever yeah. yeah yeah so i think in in a in a way um a lot of the time we're kind of speaking the same language about that um you know uh it's just a different way to frame the conversation you know, the most important thing, again, goes right back to that foundation of I have Christ. I'm saved by grace, n- not of works. Um, and th- therefore, I can build the rest. If if I doubt my salvation, the, then the, the foundation begins to shake. It mm. kind of makes the second story, people in the second story feel, feel afraid. So I think that's that's a great conversation. But uh, yes, a, a rabbit hole indeed. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's good. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, you, you kind of touched on something that is worth bringing up. The, um, so, first of all, you know, using the name Satan, or, well, it's a title, right? Satan, right. Lucifer, all of the names that we have for Satan are probably titles. We mm. may not know his name, um, but in the game, his, his name will be Lucifer because, you know, I have to it's just easy that way yeah (laughs) like either the slanderer or we'll call him like you know hey luke you're you're, you're, uh so anyway the um uh what i was going to say is that when we we talk about these things when we admit to the fact that demons do want to influence we have to remember that of course they are only able to do to the 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 letter of what god allows them to do Mm. And in one, at least one case that we have recorded, that was a lot. Job, that that's you know, that sucked. <laughs> you know, he everything taken except his wife was left because she was awful and uh, <laughs> would just cause him to fall further. And uh, you know, it was uh, it was it was a crazy situation. Um, hopefully, that only happens once because it's recorded for everyone to learn from and hopefully i'll have to learn the hard way right <laughs> but um the truth is that the devil however bad he is is the is god's devil he mm. cannot do anything more than what god allows and that said at the same time it's important to remember that god will not just give a permanent moratorium on demons bugging you mm. he's not going to do that right and um i think that we have to know how to fight spiritual warfare, how to put on the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the greaves of peace, uh, right? And and all of that, you know, you 
we're getting into Ephesians, I think this is really the the um, uh, the purpose of deliverance is to be, um, I guess, uh, trying to think of the right word, a metaphor, an allegory mm. for how a Christian should fight spiritual warfare. Mm. So you need to don your armor and, you know, that shield is there. You raise it up and, you know, the fiery darts of the wicked one are going to strike that shield and not you, right? Um because that's going to happen in your life and uh, you know the the various components of armor but a lot of people miss out on the weapons you have yeah. weapons that are described in ephesians i think this is 6 uh verse uh, 10 through 18 mm -hmm. or 12 through 18 mm -hmm. and it talks about in verses 17 and 18 you have three weapons three weapons um commonly known as the sword which is the word of god that is the bible if you don't read your bible don't know what it says you leave your sword um at home when you go out in onto the battlefield. And that is a very dumb thing to do as a warrior. Uh, so read your Bible, right? And then second, you've got, um, I, I like to, you know, I'm a huge nerd. So I think of like your ranged weapon, like your your <laughs> bow is, is prayer. Prayer mm. has a limited range in deliverance, the game, and it does also in real life. So your prayer is so essential. That is a weapon that you have um, to use against the darkness. And um, all prayers is talking to God, which is why I believe that uh, angels also pray, um, mm. that, which is weirdly, oddly enough, very controversial. People mm. are like, how dare you say angels pray? You're going to hell for that unless you <laughs> repent of what you said. It's like, I don't even. Is that what I, it takes I, these days? Yeah. It's, I know, right I here. Heard, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize. It's the lost gospel of Philip. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, and then the final weapon, I think, is so important. And that is to remain vigilant or uh depending on the translation uh stand watch mm. if you watch you know the bible talks about the watchman on the wall it always talks about if you knew what hour the thief was going to come in you would have just you know had your gun loaded and and that was all she wrote right you knew mm. what door or what you know window he was coming in like you you would have drop kicked him right out of the window as soon mm. as he was coming in but um because you know you uh, Jesus likens himself and his second coming to, or the rapture of the church to a thief in the night that will catch some people as a thief in the night. And so do these things so that you aren't caught unaware um, like a thief would catch someone in the night. And um, so I think that remaining watchful, having eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to understand what the spirit would say, these are the tools of a Christian. You know your Bible, you, you pray, and, you know, you pray, the Bible talks about praying, like, uh, you know, without ceasing, right? And ask for all kinds of requests. Like, you know, I don't hold anything back. And, um, and of course, you know, standing watch, knowing the enemy that you face. And uh, these are the weapons that we have that will overcome all of these spirits, you know, the, the spirits that are very real that, you know, want to melt your face off or mm. whatever. You know, whatever, whatever that really means, you know, they want to oppress you at work. They want to, you know, um, make you uh, be a bad witness. They want you, uh, you know, I mean, the, so anyway, I guess I'm, I'm on my tirade. I, no, I'll no, it's great. Soapbox. It's a great tirade. <laughs> Amen. It's, um, if I can uh, promote a book as well, that if people are more interested in learning about that through Ephesians, um, there's a great book that I've read a couple years back by uh, Rick Renner. It's called Dress to Kill. A biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor and it's that's one of those books that i gave away and i've never gotten back 
So I'm assuming <laughs> it's doing either somebody a really good amount of work and it's just elsewhere, like halfway across the country, or it just got tossed in a dumpster. And <laughs> either way, I it's a fantastic read. And I think if um, spirituality interests you, it's definitely worth picking up. It's like $15. It's, it's worthwhile. I don't have any affiliate links, so sorry. I don't know. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. Um, did you have anything to add, Sister Sarah? Uh, just, I wanted to touch on something you mentioned, Andrew, and that's, uh, you know, a lot of times we think about God and, and Satan as these equal forces of, of mm. good and evil that mm. are battling it out. And, you know, we're just waiting for the end, even though we know what it is, but, you know, it, it still feels like though these are equal powers that are fighting. Um, but I really liked what you were saying that, that uh, what did you say? Um, the devil is God's uh, is under God's double. authority. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. And just remembering that as Christians, I think is really helpful to help uh, to combat that fear that we might feel about spiritual forces. And when we think about Satan or demons or, or any of that and realize that it's not even a contest, the, the power of God versus the power of these evil forces. Um, and that God mm -hmm. has already won the battle, mm -hmm. um, is already going to win the war. And um, we're on that side and he's given us the same authority over mm -hmm. these forces of evil in our lives. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's like an ant. It's not even ant, an ant to a boot. It's like an ant to the power of the Death Star. Like it's, it's just... <laughs> not even comparable you know um i think that uh that that um illusion of equality uh where the devil is you know god is the tall you know the big dude but then there's jesus and the devil um that's that's just uh not true right you know the um the devil is limited the devil is going to be chained up the devil is going to um, cause more trouble eventually after he's locked up in Christ's reigns for a thousand years. Then the devil is released and he's going to cause even more trouble. And then after that, he's thrown in a lake of fire. Mm. And uh, that's that's all she wrote for, for him. And what the Bible actually talks about is during this millennial reign of Christ, we will walk. Um, there's the uh, the only feast that will remain in the in the Jewish feast is the uh, feast of tabernacles. Mm -hmm. where we were because god is actually tabernacling on the earth he's living on the earth and, and all that which is going to be amazing but um it says that we'll all make this journey to jerusalem which is this massive city i could go on about um and it uh and and in that in that journey i forget exactly where it is but it talks about how we'll look upon him we'll actually look at the devil mm. and we'll say you know he's in in, in he's chained up he's in prison and we will actually be able to see him like as people, all the people on the earth, um, all of the, the, the people who have been um, transformed and so on and so forth, all the people who are mortal at that time will all be able to see him. And they'll say, is this the guy? Is this really the guy that did all of that? He, you know, and he, it's, it's really interesting. Like, um, it's like, he won't be impressive at that time. It'll just be like, wow, I can't believe this is the guy, you know, he looks like, um, you know, what, whatever it is, just a, a normal dude, maybe with wings or, or whatever, you know, if he's a cherub, he's got, um, you know, wings and so on, but it'll be like, man, he looks kind of pitiful. You know, he doesn't have a thousand eyes everywhere. Yeah. And I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I, I have my doubts that he will look anywhere as cool as any of the awesome artwork you've made for your villains and deliverance. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I love Herod and Antiochus that you have in those. Those are two of my favorite pieces you've built for this. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Doing the art has been very interesting because I have this, this delicate balance between um, what is real hmm. and what is fun. If hmm. I go, uh, if the meter travels too far into what's real, uh, the game becomes like Jumanji, like a Ouija board hmm. where you are literally like you open up this box and then boom, all the demons fly out and you better finish the game so that you can put the demons back in the box. You know, I don't want it to be like that. I don't yeah, want it to be that. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then at, on the other side, you know, there's that other, you know, area of the spectrum that if I travel too far into fun, it ceases to become real. Hmm. Meaning like um, going back to, I think Sam, what you were saying was uh, how, people can uh, you know the well, well being well researched or no ben you were you were talking about yeah. being well researched right um a lot of people will say oh you know i think um you know there should be uh demons that decide to turn good because that sounds cool you know mm. or i think angels should you should have like a traitor angel that's in the you know in the you know in the campaign like one of the angels is like oh yeah go here and haha got you i'm really a bad guy um, but that is not theologically sound, but it sounds fun. You know, mm. you want that little twist in the story. But um, it, in, in that case, it would also become like leaven, right? Mm. The, the Bible talks about leaven as sin. You know, if something's 99% correct and 1% wrong, then Christians should not play it, right? Mm. Um, if it tries to say that it's 100% correct, if, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I am... 100% that my game is a fantasy and it's not fully theologically sound. It's not the Bible. I'm an imperfect person and uh, whatever I make is going to reflect that. But um, the, the, the idea is that it has to strike that, that balance between what is true and what is fun. Um, I want it, I just want it to be both. You know? Yeah. So. Amen. And I think from the three of us out of the four that have played, Sarah, we'll get you to play sometime soon. Well, once tabletop simulators back on sale, we'll force you to play. We'll drag you in. Yeah, we'll kick in and screaming. Um, if we don't have anything else to add, this might be a good time to transition into talking about deliverance and evangelism. If you guys have nothing else to add, good, good silence. Job. So, um, as we've seen, um, you guys might be thinking, "What on earth is this deliverance thing that we're wearing shirts for?" And what is this all about? <laughs> Did you notice our shirts are three different colors? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you do that? But I don't know. I guess anyhow, I, I wash mine less. <laughs> I've only washed this one once, so we'll okay. see. I, I lost it and ended up in the laundry. This is actually the first time I've officially worn it. So oh, anyways, awesome. yeah, Ben wears his all the time. That's why his is all, you know, he needs a new one. But, yeah. but anyways, my friends, if you're curious what we're talking about, um, I have been provided with a quick video very briefly. So if my friends on Zoom will mute themselves. We'll just stare at each other for a minute. The light. Now, boy, howdy, was that an incredible video that's on repeat right now. <laughs> like, Andrew, no lie, I had not seen that until two hours ago when you sent it to me. And I have a text that straight up I sent to Ben and Sarah saying, I'm mad I haven't seen this shit. I want to wholly punch a wall on how excited <laughs> that trailer has made me. That was yeah. fantastic. So... Thank you. Uh, you are the grandmaster. The floor is yours. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Deliverance and your journey that's led you here? Sure, sure. Yeah. So Deliverance is a um, it's a Christian fantasy dungeon crawl board game. 
where you play cooperatively with up to four uh, players and uh, you play angels in the elite army of heaven. And you've come down to the small little town, uh, which funny enough is named after my hometown, Fallbrook, um, that uh, is just crawling with demonic activity. And your mission is to figure out why. You suspect that a fallen prince, one of your former angelic brethren that has since fallen, um, now leads the armies of darkness from the shadows in uh, from this little town. And it's your mission to root that fallen prince out and send them to the abyss to await their final judgment. Um, and uh, it's your standing order to uh, protect saints along the way, um, humans of special significance in the spiritual realm. Um, and the uh, something strange is happening where the the evils of the human world, the darkness, that uh, the, the oppression of the saints is kind of bleeding into the spiritual realm and manifesting itself. So you have to remain vigilant and um, the, uh, uh, I guess the, the town of Fallbrook awaits. So um, the, the, the idea behind the game is that um, I, I wanted something that I could play as a Christian that I didn't have to compromise. I am um, a former professional gamer, a professional a video game, a Hearthstone player. Um, I have, I mean, I've invested 30,000 hours into a single character on World of Warcraft. In, in 10 years, I did that, which is uh, just about three years out of those 10, like back to back, I sat at a computer playing World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, video games and, and board games are just, you know, in, inside me. I understand them. And uh, so the, uh, um, the game was my attempt to make something that I didn't have to compromise on how awesome it was, you know, like really, you know, you don't want to play a Christian game just because it's a Christian game. You want to play a really great game because it's the best in class of whatever it is, regardless of if it's Christian or not or whatever. So I always felt like when I played something that was Christian they just were not as good as mm. other games. Um, or they were, you know, a poor excuse for fun. You know, it's like a wrapping of fun with a big ball of education in the center mm. that, you know, that was the main serving. It's like uh, when I would try to feed my uh, two-year-old carrots, which are sweet, and then I would trade them at the last second with peas, which are disgusting. And, you know, it's like you think you're eating the sweet stuff and then they get a big mouthful of peas. You know, it's the worst. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, I, I just was really tired of, of that but also you know I, I love to play secular games you know and my wife felt very uncomfortable with magic very uncomfortable with uh with anything um you know that got kind of uh, walked the line or went past mm-hmm. the line you know she she had a i guess our lines if you will as christians were in different places and um i just wanted something that a christian didn't have to feel like they compromised by you know Oh, we're good guys, but we're using magic or, you know, Bible says magic's bad, you know, don't, don't use magic or whatever, you know? And, um, so I found that it was totally okay to cast a fireball at a demon and melt it into a pile of ash. If you did it by the power of God that Mm -hmm. God had bestowed upon you. So it, 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 um, was a really fun concept that I just started thinking about. My wife made me go out on a run one day and, uh, I don't like running, but I'll do it because, you know, for one reason or another. And um, 
I just got to thinking, you know, I was out there just uh, running and thinking about Jude verse nine about Michael and Satan and how they had contended. And um, I just thought this is a really cool uh, backdrop for the game and what I, or for a game. And I found, you know, that the Bible is such a complete volume of lore that has been largely unexplored. And when it has been explored, when it has been, you know, like you have some uh, fun, I'll say they lean more into fun. You know, we're talking about real and fun. So you've got movies like Constantine. Uh, that's a, you know, I don't know if you guys like like uh, movies like that, but you've got Constantine. You've got um, I Frankenstein. You know, it's like Frankenstein's a bad guy and this and that. He, no one can save me. I have no soul. And all of a sudden angels and demons and what are, what's happening? Frankenstein's the key. He kills demons and, and angels, um, which makes sense somehow. And anyway, it's <laughs> like, cold. you know. It was real fun. Don't worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got super fun. But um, the lore has never really been treated like it is. And I feel that the truth of the matter is so much more fun, so much actually more terrifying hmm. than it's ever I've ever seen it portrayed before. I would say the closest thing to it weirdly enough the closest christian product that i've found to be uh on the level of awesome and fun best in class is the book of eli you ever seen that movie yeah book of eli it's been a while it's uh it is um no holds barred very violent and uh very um i'll say the world is is evil and but there's this ray of hope and it's you know it's eli right and and his mission and I won't, I won't ruin it for anybody, but it's quite violent. It it doesn't say Jesus' name in vain. It doesn't have any sexual stuff. So, um, and I I guess maybe it it kind of walks the, the one place that a Christian might be um, uncomfortable is it walks the line between hyperviolence, you know, mm-hmm. the, something where like a guy will get his arm chopped off or something, you know, that's, if that's not your bag, then, you know, watch it. Yeah, you Charlie watch Brown it. is, you know, watch Charlie Brown instead. Um, <laughs> So uh, anyway, I just, I feel like there are precious few Christian products that try hard, you know, that try to really blend two things. You know, I, I happen to be an expert in, in games. And I also, I don't know if you could call me an expert, but I read the Bible every day. And I think that that is kind of that the mandate that God gave me at the start of this project was read your Bible every day. I'll take care of everything else. You know, just, that's what you got to do. And um, so anyway, the, I, I feel like deliverance is, um, a, a good blend of, of, you know, what I hope will be best in class for its, for its category, you know? So that was long, long me talking, but uh, um, I mean, I could, I could talk about more. We could, we could talk about the art. We could talk about the, um, you know, the more of the reasoning behind what questions would you guys have? Well, I'd like to just give a very brief accolade about um Actually, I won't. I'll be right back if one of y'all wants to do one for me. Oh, sure. <laughs> I know, uh, Pastor Sarah, I know we, we, had some, we, we, had, we had tasked Pastor Sarah with, with answering the, the difficult question of evangelism in the midst of talking okay, well, about angels. Just go to bath. Uh, so go go ahead and, and share some of your, your thoughts, Sarah. Okay, uh, sure. Um, well, some of it really ties back to what you were saying earlier, Andrew, about so, uh, Ephesians 6, and um, I'll just read uh, verse 12 of that 
uh, which says, for our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Um, and I, yeah, thank you for going through all of the, the armor and, and talking about how that, that relates to our, our lives as Christians um, in a practical way. Because uh, I think sometimes we can read the, that uh, section in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God and just kind of put it aside like, oh, that's kind of cool. And we can ma make a little like Roman armor uh, mm. children's lesson about it, but don't really talk about what that means for us. Um, especially I liked how you brought out the, the vigilance aspect of staying alert and tying that into some of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks as we went into Advent and you know, how do we stay alert and watchful for uh, the coming of Christ? Um, but, you know, the other hand of that is staying alert and watchful for uh, the spiritual forces that are at work around us and both good and evil. And, um, and I also want to share with us one other. So evangelism, right? It's good news, the good news, sharing the good news of Jesus um, wherever we go. And as mainline Christians uh, a lot of times that focuses on uh, sharing words of hope sharing love uh, acts of service um, acts of justice acts of mercy uh, hands-on things tangible things that we can do uh, words that we can teach uh, beliefs that we can teach to people um, and I think we don't always even pay as much attention to uh, what Jesus uh, did as far as bringing good news and all that that encompassed um, and all that he directed his disciples and therefore us to to do as we share the good news. Um, and so in Luke 9, um, this is one of a couple places where we also get it in like Matthew 10. Um, later in Luke 10, um, Jesus sends out more of his disciples. Um, but in Luke 9, it talks about Jesus. Uh, he calls together the 12. Uh, and it says he gives he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal um, and so this theme of Jesus bringing his disciples together giving them authority to do the things that he's been doing right because he's been uh, casting out demons he's been curing diseases he's been um, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching that uh, and the values of the kingdom to people and he brings his disciples together time after time and sends them out to do this um, and then you know the end of the gospels we get uh, a similar images like that in Mar Mark 16 Jesus uh, sends the disciples out uh, and telling them to baptize people um, and that in his name, they will cast out demons and they will speak new tongues. And, um, you know, they'll do weird things like picking up snakes with their hands and um, drinking poison, not dying. Um, but it, I mean, these things illustrate to us the power of the kingdom of God and the power that's not just out there, um, you know, that, you know, God's over there doing that cool stuff and we're over here, but God has entered into our world, into our lives. And as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized um, into the name of Christ. We have taken on that authority. Um, as Romans 13 talks about, we're being clothed with the armor of light and putting aside the things of darkness. Um, and so all of that's to say that if we want our evangelism to be truly biblical evangelism and um, 
to be complete in the ways that Jesus saw it, um, then we need to include these aspects of spirituality into even our evangelism um, and and our witness uh, to the kingdom of God. It involves this spiritual realm of things. Um, so practically, how does this work? Uh, well, you know, we I think it means that we need to be open to these possibilities. We may not know everything about angels and demons. We may not know everything about the ailments or something that somebody is going through, um, but we need to stay open, listening for the Spirit's guidance um, in every situation to, to discern. Uh, scripture talks about discerning the Spirit's. What do we discern is going on in this person's life that we're talking to or or in this situation, whether it's a global situation um, or a personal situation? Um, and I think too often, kind of taking us back to the beginning, that debate of science and faith, a couple of times Jesus heals these people who, um, you know, in our day and age, we would say, oh, they had epilepsy because hmm. um, they would be taken, you know, the demon would possess them or uh, grab a hold of them somehow and they'd be thrashing around on the floor and, um, foaming at the mouth. And we're like, oh, obviously that they're an epileptic. Um, and now we have medicine to treat that and, and science to deal with that. And so, you know, Jesus was just meeting a need in that time, but not, you know, maybe it wasn't really demonic. Um, and so I find I find there's a lot of uh, trouble that arises with a simple maybe. Mm. Yeah. It's like maybe I'm, you know, like uh, uh, I, I'm not accusing you of, of saying anything. I just I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm about to say something unbiblical. You know, is what, right? It's like maybe there's no evidence for what I'm about to say. In fact, <laughs> evidence is only to the contrary. But I'll say that uh, demons don't give people epilepsy anymore, or I mean, it, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary to say that some of the diseases we treat with medicine are actually demonic mm. in nature, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'll, that's, I, I was going to piggyback on that as well, if I may. Um, it's really funny when people use that argument. It feels like a straw man in a way where they're just like, oh, well, obviously there was epilepsy. So Jesus knew how to fix epilepsy. And it's like, what? <laughs> if you're going to use that concept of a first century person, like what? So he magically knew what to do and it never came back. Like, let, let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. the super smart medicine man who knew everything. <laughs> but I think you're exactly right. Bringing in the word maybe. And I think that's part of what I hope that we think about as we share the good news is the humility that we're called to have. Hmm. That we don't know everything. Um, and that we need God's guidance um, in whatever situations we're going through. And I think, you know, there are things like epilepsy that, uh, you know, okay, maybe we can't really tell, or we don't really know, um, you know, maybe that person was epileptic and that was just how they framed it, or maybe it was a demon possession. Um, but I think for me, my takeaway from that would be that, you know, in situations with people in our lives, as we're praying with somebody, as we are sharing the good news, um, you know, we might not be able to, uh, so there's physical and spiritual ailments. And sometimes those are so intertwined that mm. 
we can't really parse out, you know, was this just a physical thing or was it a spiritual issue or a, some kind of demon, demonic presence there? Um, and I think what we're called to do is not always to, to parse out, okay, well, what exactly was the physical parts that we, we treated with counseling or we treated with, uh, you know, uh, fellowship and, and comfort and uh, meeting a person's physical needs and what were the spiritual parts that, that, that God handled. Um, I think God is handling all of those things as we share the good news um, and that it's through our the work of our hands, but also the work of our prayers that um, people are set free and um, be that from physical ailments or spiritual ones. And uh, yeah, we're, we're maybe not called to understand everything, but just to be present agents of of Christ with the people that we're with. That's right. That's right. I have a lot of trust for what God says is that uh, when I'm questioned, uh, for example, uh, on a show like this, if, if you guys were to ask me questions, I, I I know that God will teach me in that very moment what I'm supposed to say because hmm. that is what he promised. You know, um, there are many cases that that's happened. So, um, yeah. Does that include math questions? Can I, can I, can I give you math? I'm bad with that. Yeah, Lord, for sure. For sure. Giving me wisdom for math questions. Yeah, those are those are three words to describe me as I'm bad at math. Yeah. Bam. Bam. So what have you got to add, my friend? Uh, no, I, I, and just to, you know, we want to honor our, our time today. Um, oh, I that's true. It's, I'm I'm good for probably about ten more minutes. Okay, cool, cool. Take my daughter downstairs. Just to, to do the. the Full, full swing, which is, you know, as Sister Sarah was, was sharing with us, that um, evangelism, you know, it invites us into something new and something mm. different. And I think one of the great joys uh, with Brother Andrew, uh, as he's corralling his, his children, uh, ready for an appointment here soon, is uh, inviting uh, to experience the Christ, the, the living Christ in a new way, uh, which is in a board game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and that's something I think uh, one of the things that, you know, Brother Andrew and I have, have spent, you know, uh, what feels like ages talking about is we have so many ministries for, for other types of, of communities. Uh, but what about those who, who enjoy board games, uh, you know, enjoy video games? Um, and uh, I, I happen to be one of them as well, uh, to, to be able to say I, I enjoy the fellowship around playing board board games with with people mm -hmm. uh and so you know when we came across this concept of here's this this uh faithful uh depiction of what we experience in scripture of you know of angels and playing you know board games i'm talking about you behind your back andrew uh, <laughs> only bad all, things we promise oh good it's recorded <laughs> so you can make sure that it's, it's good uh, but it, you know, being able to experience uh, the, the profound truth of, of the gospel while having fun is something that is meaningful uh, and, and is something that can be life bringing for folks who may not hear the gospel, uh, you know, sitting, you know, in, in a sermon, uh, you know, sitting down in, in, in the church on Sunday. Um, we, we don't have that opportunity always. Uh, and so one of, you know, my prayers, you know, I've, I've talked to Andrew, you know, about this is, uh, that that God continues to reach His people through mm -hmm. this game, uh, and that's the great news about God: is God can take anything, 
uh, uh, Brother Sam mentioned, you know, uh, Balaam and how God used a donkey to speak truth, <laughs> you know, uh, to say, hey, uh, even as, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem triumphantly, uh, he says, look, if no one were to cry out, even the rocks would mm. cry out. Uh, it's kind of humbling to know that my job can be replaced by rocks, uh, you know, to say that when God can use something to, to speak truth, uh, and so that's what I'm excited about this deliverance game. Um, not only is it super fun, you know, um, but it's it has the opportunity to continue to speak the truth of the gospel. Um, and that that jazzes me up. And like I said, uh, that, that's something good. Segway to yeah. Andrew. Boom. Yeah, I, I consider deliverance to be a tool um, for different purposes in the hands of different people. It's a tool for ministry in the hands of a minister. It's a tool for teaching in the hands of a teacher but it in of itself is not meant to, it's really not meant to educate in and of itself. Mm. Um, it's meant to be a, a box of fun. When you get the box, it's fun. Um, you know, one, one time I played with a transgender person, a priest, um, a pastor, and myself, a Jew. Um, I, th there are lots and lots of jokes in there. Joke. <laughs> yeah yeah and i just thought it was it was so funny because we were all talking and and you know it was very um you know it's like uh how you know russia and iran and the united states only agree on wrestling uh, you know they they like wrestling they all like wrestling right um but i find it to be uh very interesting it's a tool that gets people around a table in a quite an intimate setting and I've heard, you know, I've, I've, put, you know, I've played the game more with non-Christians than Christians. Um, you know, we've played probably a thousand games so far, um, you know, so, since I've started to design it with other people. And um, the, the non-Christians are, you know, very, very disarmed because it is not trying to educate them. And yet it has, you know, a hundred different Bible verses adorning cards as flavor text. And I've had comments that, you know, from, from non-Christians say, you know, I'm an atheist and I read more Bible playing your game in the last hour than I had in the last 30 years, mm. you know, and um, they had fun and they wanted to play again. You know, I've had one time I played uh, with a group of Germans over um, uh, the internet, over tabletop simulator and they were like, hey, just to let you know, you know, we really loved your game. I would throw away half of the games in my collection just to have it right now hmm. in its current prototype form. And I'm a card carrying member of the Church of Satan. Um, <laughs> that was that was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you had fun, you know, and um, I find that it it um, there is a the, the deliverance has, I, I guess I say the sword of deliverance it are the Bible verses and also the very interesting darkness mechanic so there's this mechanic where the there are these cards that come out that represent uh the evils of the human world you know influencing the spiritual so you have things like marital unfaithfulness sexual morality suicidal thoughts uh, a lot of heavy heavy things you've got um my tongue-in-cheek commentary on angel worship is there you know <laughs> angel worship comes out demons deal more damage you know because of that card um You've got a lot of other other things like that, um, concepts like um, corruption of the innocent and, and whatever, you know, that are more abstracted. Um, the one thing it does not do, it doesn't throw shade at a very specific lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So if you are, uh, you know, if you're playing a game with uh, someone who's gay or if you're playing a game with someone who is 
this religion or that religion or whatever. It's not, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, not an advocate for Mormonism, but I'm not going to put, put Moroni as a demon, you know, because that's like, well, you know, it's going to make someone real mad. Right. And, uh, it just, I, I have so much material. I don't need to, um, it's not my statement, uh, on, um, a particular brand of theology being awful. Uh, you know, I mean, there are plenty of awful brands of theology, like uh, every version of the rapture, aside from the pre-tribulation rapture, awful. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure we have a variety of, of thoughts here, you know, but I, was, I don't. I was, you know, I was waiting to say like oh, the worst theology in like Methodism, like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I just waiting for it. They're like, ah! <laughs> no, but um, but you know, the 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 idea is that there are so many inter-Christian arguments there's a reason there's there are baptists and methodists and presbyterians and this and that right because of the um you know the very interesting um uh differing opinions about how things should be done but deliverance is not meant to be a statement of advocate or an advocate for one over the other it is yeah. uh, something that you can play no matter what brand of christianity you come from um and you'll still have a really great time. And what you can do is you can apply the lessons in deliverance if you want to do that. And you can educate others with those things. Hmm. Um, a lot of little Easter eggs in deliverance, um, you know, in, everywhere, just featuring little elements of, um, you know, Bible stories that everything is so infused in deliverance. It's like, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's been a lot of fun to, to work on, but it is a tool for fun. You know, it's, it's, um, and I think actually, you know, if I could get back on a soapbox to talk about Christian games in general, um, the, you know, going back to that fun versus education, you know, people generally hearing a game as a Christian game is a, is a negative thing, especially to Christian people, because you have a game that, um, primarily tries to educate. Uh, so maybe it will, uh, the goal of the game is to save people from their sins. Hmm. So Christians don't play it because they're already saved from their sins. Atheists don't play it because they don't want to get saved from their sins. And how dare you talk to them about this stupid stuff that's fake and whatever. And so who's your target market? It's right. the mom that is going to make their kid play it because it's good for them. Right. right? But that mom is not going to play it because it's not very fun. Um, you know, it's just not engaging. Right. And uh, so most often the a Christian game is actually more of an educational, like in the educational market, belongs in the educational market. Um, it's kind of like playing, you know, uh, an old um, arcade game called House of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a, a version called The Typing of the Dead, where the gun is replaced with a keyboard, and you have to type really fast to shoot the zombie in the arm and whatever, you know. And it, it just is, it's so different. It's such a different experience, you know, and that's like from back in the 90s, I think. But um, but yeah, it's it's meant to be a fun, a tool for fun, primarily. And I think that's a major difference between what I, what I see is um, where, I guess where Christians go wrong when they mm. create a, a Christian product, they fail right at the very beginning with their target market. They're, they're, they're thinking, I want to make a product that is going to bring people to Jesus, which is a noble thing to do. And then they make a product that um, nobody wants to play. So that's that's the problem you know and so i i thought well if i could make a product that people really want to play um i mean you know you'll get more more pastors talking about marvel movies than they will you know any christian film because mm -hmm. of the lesson that you can learn 
Aquaman overcame the bad guy and did this and that. And there's all this Christ-like symbolism and mm. Superman and, and, and whatever. But um, you, you don't hear very many pastors preaching on, um, you know, the shack or, or the, uh, you know, whatever courageous or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I will say though, every once in a while, they, they really hit the, the, um, they really do a great job with a Christian product. And, um, so anyway, I'll, I'll step off the soapbox, but it's, um, something that I just felt like, uh, the, the primary reason that most people make a bad product is most often because they don't test it with the, with their mm. ideal target market. And so when it gets released, they figure out that their market doesn't want to play it. And so what I'm doing with deliverance is, I mean, it's been again, played a thousand times by people of all walks of life. And it used to be really awful. Like it used to be an awful game. <laughs> it was, it really was awful. Like the first time we played it, it was like six, it was supposed to be six battles long. And the first battle was two and a half hours and mm. you died. It's like, okay, I have a ways to go. And it felt like I'm moving blocks on a board i'm not you know an elite angel battling demons i'm like pushing you know things around a, a map or whatever so um yeah i mean it's it's had to go through quite a lot of iteration i've heard things that were extremely hard to hear hmm. from brother from christians and non-christians alike christians say you know you can't call these things um whatever whatever it is you know i mean there are there i i could probably think of a million examples but I'll just keep it broad and say that there are many times where Christians have told me you can't, you know, I'll give, actually, I'll give a specific example. There's a new angel that I want to add and I wanted him to be kind of like a Shaolin monk, you know, all of those old Chinese martial arts movies that I really loved. I wanted that experience when you're playing an angel. Mm -hmm. I believe that, uh, you know, in heaven, we have all sorts of different um, races of, of people of every tribe, kindred, language, and nation, right? And so um, there are Chinese people in there. And I'm like, I want to represent people in the angel. So there's a Chinese angel, but making him a monk and giving him things like crane stand or crane style, tiger style, dragon style, you know, for moves. Um, buddy of mine said, you can't name them those things because those are inherently spiritual. Hmm. And I had to change them. So now he's uh, a more, a different type of fighter. He's not a monk anymore. He's, he's a, um, a some call a wushu fighter. Anyway. Um, so little things like that all the way to someone telling me the game doesn't work it feels like i take my turn and then an hour later it comes back to me mm. and so i could just walk away from the table for an hour and i didn't have fun mm. it's like that's my problem i have to figure that out right and so it takes a lot of time effort and energy to to do that and the only way that it happens in any semblance of um of I guess it, it turns into a good product is if people like you guys, you know, Ben, Sam, you all have played, um, said I had fun, but this was a problem mm. or, you know, what, whatever it was, you know, whatever your experience was. Um, so I, I hope I have high hopes for it, that it'll just be a great product. Another element is the art. Um, I, I brought it to a publisher and they said, so what's the art budget? Like two or $3,000. You know, and I told them I probably spent about fifty thousand dollars on it, and uh, they they just they laughed, you know, mm. laughed and 
I was like, no, but really I have. And then they, their <laughs> jaw dropped open and they were like, are you kidding me? You know, it's one of those things that um, a, a, a quality product is um, you, you have to be able to, you have to be willing to invest if you want it to look like a quality product it's it's got a um i don't know it just it requires that investment you've got triple a studios pumping multi-million dollars a month into into their products um we just obviously i don't have the money to do that but you know it's uh thank goodness it's a board game and not a video game (laughs) right but if I can uh, affirm you as well, um, actually, before we had this discussion, my daughter picked up one of my pocket Bibles that I'm laying around, and she's like, I want to read this, and she opened it, and she actually opened up to Acts 10, of all places, with um, Peter's vision about, you know, the sheet coming down with all the food and stuff on it, and it's really made me think with this conversation, you know, what he says, you know, don't call, you know, unclean what I've created. Um, this definitely, as you've said, and resonating with evangelism, this has been a tool for everybody to use. And, you know, as a minister, I've used what I can to profess God's word and everything that I have. So like you've said, I've had ministries in like World of Warcraft and tabletop gaming and Dungeons and Dragons, um, like uh, games over here and games over there, like all over the place. I, I've used what I can for God's kingdom, but you are entirely correct how deliverance isn't trying to be educational first. It's trying to be engaging first. And through that engagement, you find that, hey, this card looks really nice. Whoa, it's got Psalm 51 on it. And then you go and talk about it. But on the same coin, it's it's an open environment almost, as you've said. It's the ability to let the game speak for itself and allow people's interest to be piqued. Because as a teacher, if you want to come forth and say something, it may not be what people need to hear. But if you give them an open canvas, as you've said, they could pull something out and say, wow, what is this all about? And as a leader that gives you the equipment to profess the gospel in a way that people may have never heard. And as you, as Pastor Ben was saying while you were away, it's, you know, board game ministries truly do need something. There are hungry and thirsty people all throughout stores and all throughout, you know, the world that feel rejected and worthless. And just having any words of love and kindness in the words of Christ truly reinvigorates people. And reminds them of the gospel truth that we all say and profess. So thank you for all your hard work as always. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. You know, I I, um, I, I constantly play I play the game. I've probably played in 600 of those thousand play tests. And I constantly find myself just enjoying the game. And I remember I made this, you know, it's something I made, but it does it sure doesn't feel like it. You know, it feels like God is the one that that made it. And it's uh, like it says in Proverbs, it's to the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's to the glory of a king to seek out a matter, to search out a matter. Right. And um, I feel like I'm just uh, I wouldn't call myself a king, but maybe, a, a, you know, as a son of of God, you know, I can be a king. But um, it's it's one of those things that I feel like I'm searching out what God had already designed. And I just wish he would have said, you know, hey, by the way, the map should be seven inches square, you know, and it should look like this. And like he gave Solomon in his temple, you know, it took Solomon how many years, 11 or seven years to build that temple. And, uh, you know, it's taken me, feels like it's going to take me about to finish this thing. Mm. But uh, it's been over four years, about four and a half years um, since I've started this thing. Um, it's a, it's a, 
pretty surreal experience, you know, kind of fun. So for the people who have been listening to this or find it in the future and they wish to be involved, how, how can they do that? Uh, they, they would go to deliverancethegame.com. You'll see, um, you'll be able to sign up for the email list and everything will kind of spill out from there. Um, if you sign up for the email list, it'll give you um, a place you can go to find the Facebook group or on Discord as well. So you can search, you know, Deliverance, the board game or Deliverance um, uh, uh, on Discord. Um, so you can search Deliverance, the board game on Facebook. You can search for Deliverance on Discord. You can find it on the internet. If you search for Deliverance board game, um, you'll find it. But um, that's the absolute best way. Eventually, we're going to go to Kickstarter, which is a crowdfunding, you know, basically a, a way for me to uh, raise the rest of the funds to actually get the product printed, you know, and made mm. and, and delivered and, and all that. And I, I, I actually hope that that will be a great event for like amplifying the marketing, you know, when people lar by and large discover it during that time period when the Kickstarter campaign is alive. I hope that... Uh, that it spreads far and wide, you know, and, and uh, the, the, the message that it's a good thing and a good game and worthy of, of people's backing, you know. Um, so, but till then, you know, just kind of working hard. If you want to follow along, then I would encourage you to sign up for the email list on the website and join the Facebook group because that's where I post Find updates. That yeah. <laughs> Amen. So um, I think that is, we've just about wrapped up. We've taken up much more of your time than we intended to. But <laughs> my goodness, you are such, you know, you are a servant of the Lord and you are extremely charismatic. So it's kind of hard not to listen to you. It's like sitting here <laughs> listening to Ben, do it all day. <laughs> so um, I guess as we wrap up for the churches today, are there any announcements that we have for this coming week? Are you anything? Um, not really. I think uh, we have, sent out our weekly email today so it has all of the updates we're still having worship inside uh biggest thing coming up we'll have a 9 p.m christmas eve service um outside so. amen yeah for our, for our folks we're still doing jeans mitten trees so if you have any uh mitten scarves hats uh that you'd like to, to donate uh, please uh, drop them by uh, so that we can do that. And uh, we will also be having a nine o'clock Christmas Eve uh, in addition to our 4.30 family service. So uh, there, there was a video that went out uh, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, so please make sure that you watch that. Uh, and yeah, more, more news to come. More news to come. Well, sounds like I have to get on 9 p.m. Christmas Eve train too. So <laughs> that might be an idea because this week has been scheming on what we want to do over here. Um, but just continue to contact me about Christmas Eve, what you guys want to do, how we can handle it in a safe and venerating way. So let me have you close everything out, Ben, because you're so much better at it. Uh, well, no, well, I, you know, I'm glad you, because I was going to pass the buck to Andrew. Uh, <laughs> brother Andrew uh, you, you blessed us, uh, and traditionally we like to end our time in, in prayer. So if you could, could end us in, in prayer, that would be lovely. Okay, sure. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm like the only non-pastor here, but I will do no it. Pressure, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you so much for um, Sam, Ben, and Sarah, and that we were able to get together and have a great conversation. I pray that it um, uh, ministered to someone out there, and um, as, as it, it ministered to me, I pray that um, you would send this message far and wide, and yes. and I pray that it would do what you've designed it to do. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one of these three in their ministry and, and me in mine. 
I pray that you would um, just uh, protect us, Lord, shield us from um, evil. I pray that you would teach us to see with spiritual eyes, hear with spiritual ears, understand with a spiritual heart. And Lord, I pray that we would um, just be encouraged and inspired to do great and mighty things in your name. And that when you call us, that we would say, here am I, Lord, here I am, and uh, send me. And thank you again, Lord, for um, this time. And I pray that uh, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, friends, thank you for uh, having a, a special lectionary text chat, uh, our focus on, on angels. And again, thank you, for Brother Andrew, for coming to spend some time with us. Uh, until we see you next week, may God bless and keep you. Amen. Blessings abundant.